Good afternoon, ladies and gents. It is Monday, March 28th, 2022. These are some intraday comments for you from Blues Views. Uh, just real quickly, looking at uh, what's going on in the markets today. Uh, pretty pretty dull day other than this uh, Tesla share split news, which has the, uh, the meme stock crew going crazy. Uh, has the Nasdaq up 60 basis points? <laughs> it's, I mean, the the absolute stupidity in Tesla continues. Um, you know, Mondays for whatever reason, Mondays have traditionally been a big up day for Tesla. I don't know if it's just because these same characters come in every Monday morning and they invest all of their life savings in short dated Tesla calls, uh, and you know, it keeps it keeps paying off for them. And until they finally get wiped out, they're going to keep doing it. Uh, and today, of course, uh, they came in extra heavy because of the share split news. You know, it's funny that, you know, for for 14 years, the only tech stock that was the only the only one of the big tech stocks that was actually splitting their shares was Apple. And now they're all doing it. I mean, does that not strike anyone as a little silly and fishy? I mean, it's it, it smacks of desperation from where I'm sitting, like almost like it was coordinated from Washington or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, we've seen most of the, you know, we've seen Google, we've seen Amazon announce these splits and there's been a huge reaction to the upside initially. And then the stocks have, have sold off. Who knows if the same thing will happen with Tesla here. Tesla exists on its own planet. It has a very, very, um, to be charitable about it, unusual uh, set of market participants that play in the name. I mean, obviously there's a bunch of investors, actual investors that hold the, you know, that hold the shares will probably never sell them. Um, but most of the activity takes place on the, on the option side. I mean, Tesla more than any other stock is <clears throat> the poster child for this uh, so-called Vanna effect where, um, you know, stocks, the, the shares have been turned into derivatives of the derivatives of options, right? So uh, just absolute stupidity and silliness continues in that name. Uh, it's the market cap on Tesla has become big enough that it can single-handedly distort the entire NASDAQ, which is exactly what's happening today. I mean, we're giving back all of our gains from Friday on the long S&P short NASDAQ trade just because of this stupid share split. So it's a little bit annoying. And yes, I'm a little bit ticked off about it. Um, it's, you know, the Fed had an opportunity a couple of weeks ago to come in and say enough is enough. Um, because this mar this warped, perverted, childish market psychology that drives things like NFTs and meme stocks has not been dented even a little bit. And it's a big part of the problem uh, that it, it, it's part of the psychological phenomenon that, that has led to inflation becoming very anchored in the public's consciousness, too. Uh, until the Fed breaks this, this juvenile approach to markets, I don't think that, you know, we're going to make any progress. And I think we, as long as they allow that mentality to persist and thrive, we run the risk of a hyperinflationary melt-up followed by a complete deflationary bust that leaves people... Uh, you know, homeless and fighting each other for scraps of food. Uh, sorry to be a little melodramatic, but, you know, as you can tell, I, I'm annoyed. I'm very annoyed about this, not because we're down 30 basis points today, just because, you know, I have a lot of extended family that is, uh, I wouldn't say blue collar or, you know, just they're, they're very much working in, or working class, middle class, um, and they're all struggling incredibly. 
You know, I mean, energy prices are eating into their disposable incomes. Their rents have all gone up and none of them own homes. Their rents just keep going up. Uh, and we're sitting here watching these idiots bid up a stock that's trading at, you know, whatever, a hundred times EV to EBITDA or something. Uh, so it just, it, it really does irritate me. Uh, it's, this is a symptom, what we're seeing today in the markets of a very real sickness. Um, and it's a sickness that's being allowed to thrive while, you know, hundreds of millions of real people who get up early in the morning and go to work 10 hours a day and come home, try to feed their kids, pay their mortgages, pay their bills while those people really suffer and have trouble sleeping because they're so nervous about how they're going to pay their bills. So yeah, I'm going to editorialize a little bit today. It, uh, it pisses me off a lot. Anyway, let's move on real quickly here to uh, two important pieces of research out today. First, Mike Wilson from Morgan Stanley. Uh, you know, he has been spot on. He, as I've said many times, he was early last year, but he's really been spot on the last five months or so. Um, in his piece today, they downgrade financials um, primarily because, uh, um, because we think they think that we're in a late cycle place right now. They are forecasting a full inversion for the yield curve in Q2. So, you know, the simplistic view of financials is that if rates are rising, financials do well, but that's, that, that's, you got to take it a level lower. It's, it's about the shape of the yield curve. If the yield curve inverts, <laughs> financials are not going to do well, Right. They're the ones out there that are borrowing short and lending long, and that's how they pick up their carry. So the shape of the yield curve is becoming less and less advantageous to financials, um, which do tend to be, again, an early cycle play. We are in a late cycle situation here. So they're downgrading financials. And just overall, he has some interesting comments here about um, his headline is don't fight the Fed. And I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, it's amazing how for so many participants, especially newer participants, don't fight the Fed only applies when the Fed is easy. When the Fed is tight, you know, they don't want to hear anything about that. Um, now, that being said, in, in fairness to them, the Fed completely chickened out two weeks ago. They did nothing. All they did, they hiked 25 basis points when the two-year was almost 200 basis points above Fed funds. And then they did nothing else. They just talked tough. And the bond market is taking them seriously, but the stock market is laughing at them. And the stock market's going to keep on laughing at them until they actually do something. So I know you got Morgan Stanley, and I think, I don't know if it was Goldman or JP Morgan last week, is now calling for 50 basis points, 50 basis point hikes, both in May and June. We will see. The market didn't even blink when those calls came out last week. Uh, the market's having too much fun right now. It's back back to the good old video game days of uh, late 2020 and, and, early, and, and 2021 here. Market does not want to hear anything about 50 basis point rate hikes, uh, about equity risk premiums, about inflation, about any of that. So um, anyway, back to the Mike Wilson note, uh, he remains convinced that the Fed is committed to getting inflation under control. I, that still is what I believe as well, although I am, my, my confidence in that view certainly was shaken by what they did two weeks ago. Uh, the way they hid behind a relatively small and local war that has had very little impact on our economy overall. Um, <clears throat> yes, oil prices are a little bit higher than they were before the conflict began, but they, I, my sense, and I can't back this up <laughs> at all. I, I've just, this is all based on conversations I've had over the last couple of weeks with guys who have been in this business for a long time. 
there is chatter out there that the Biden administration uh, came down hard on Powell or not, if not came down hard, like, you know, gave them an earful, gave the Fed an earful after them only hiking 25 basis points uh, two weeks ago. Uh, just because, you know, I've maintained all along and I believe this 100%. I know there are people talking about, oh, the Democrats want the stock market up going into midterms. Like, I think that's absolute nonsense. Like, no, they don't They don't want it to crash, obviously. Okay. I mean, their, their donors are just as rich as Republican donors and own just as much stock. But the number one polling issue for months now has been inflation. The Democrats have lost the debate on COVID. They pushed a little too far. Like, and this is not a commentary on COVID, okay? I'm, I, I can't stand either party at all. I think the duopoly is the source of most American problems, okay? So all I'm saying, though, is the Democrats pretty much have kind of lost that narrative. They've lost the middle, they've lost the middle of the voting spectrum and lost swing voters on the COVID debate. The only thing that they have left right now is to get inflation under control, the Fed had an opportunity to come in and say, listen, it's too bad about Russia, Ukraine, but we've got our own problems, 50 basis points, and then we're going to go another 50 in, March, in May, and then we'll go from there. They had a chance to get 100 to 150 basis points done you know, in the first half of the year and to send a clear message, and they didn't do it. It's almost like, it's almost like Uncle Jerome was getting phone calls over the last month from Wall Street, from Jamie Dimon and that crew saying, hey, 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 you need to take it easy here. We know you need to hike, but go slow. It's just the sense that I, it makes sense to me. It's, it's consistent with what I've seen out there. That is the chatter that I've heard talking to some guys who've been in the business a long time. Again, can't back any of it up. It could be a little bit just sour grapes on the parts of people like myself and, and, and others who thought the Fed was going to be more heavy handed last uh, two weeks ago. But it is what it is. And, and listen, I mean, it makes sense. It does make sense that there, no matter what the Fed did, they were going to get pushback. They were going to piss someone off. So whether they pissed Wall Street off or pissed Washington off or pissed you know, Main Street off, they were going to piss someone off. They clearly, they're clear, they, excuse me, they clearly chose to side a little bit with Wall Street two weeks ago. And it's almost as if, uh, you know, Alan Zentner at Morgan Stanley, and I, I forget if, again if it was Goldman or, or JP Morgan, was the other bank making the call for multiple 50 basis point hikes now going forward. It's almost like it just get you get this, because that, nobody was looking for 50 basis points in May or June just a few weeks ago. Like it wasn't even on the radar. And now all of a sudden we've got two major players calling for 50 basis points. So it's almost like it, you can see where the conspiracy theory kind of fits here um, where, you know, you had a few phone call, angry phone calls from Washington or from Capitol, you know, from the white house or from Capitol Hill saying, what are you guys doing? Let's go. Inflation is still out of control because remember inflation was supposed to peak in February and then it didn't. And then it was supposed to peak in March. And we're not sure if that's the case yet, but it looks like it may not have again. So, you know, all, we've gone from it being transitory a year ago to it being, ah, don't worry, it's going to fall off. It's going to decelerate. And it still hasn't. So, you know, the consensus view on inflation has been completely and utterly wrong for, for a year now, and it continues to be wrong. Um, so, yeah, I, you can see the politicians being very upset by what the Fed did two weeks ago and Wall Street, of course, being, you know, just could not be happier. So we'll see what happens going forward. But anyway, <laughs> after that long editorial tangent, going back to the Mike Wilson note, 
he's talking about the fact that the the outlook now, like if you believe that the Fed is going to get serious at this point, and, and I think he probably, I think he's right that they probably are. Uh, I think they're going to have to throw bones to all parties here. They've thrown a bone to Wall Street. Now they got to throw a bone to Main Street, throw a bone to Washington. Uh, so if you are in the camp that thinks that they are going to actually start to really pump the brakes here rather than just tap them, then growth is now your main concern. Yield curve inversion is your main concern. The market uh, has been pricing in a much tighter Fed for months now, right? But we haven't really priced in any growth downside. Goldman Sachs has been the only major economic outlet that has aggressively downgraded their GDP forecasts. Uh, you know, Q1 numbers, I believe, are still, I think they're probably fairly achievable, but estimates for the second half of the year, uh, for corporate earnings, that is, strike me as way, way, way too high still. So, you know, as I always talk about, Wall Street loves to upgrade their earnings forecasts and price targets, but they always wait until the last possible second to lower them and to downgrade. It's already too late by the time they've actually lowered their forecasts and downgraded them. Good on Goldman for getting out ahead of the curve there. Um, you know, right now, every you know, the, the focus is well, we have two days left in the month here, three days left in the month. We've got month end coming up. Oh, apparently I should mention before I forget that the, their, that, that quarter of a trillion dollar uh, pension rebalancing bid is gone. It's now actually $25 billion to the sell side, apparently. That's according to JP Morgan. So interesting little twist there. But, you know, month end always comes with its own idiosyncrasies. But once we move past month end, once we get into April, the shift is going to, uh, the, excuse me, the focus is going to shift very quickly to Q1 earnings and Q2 guidance. Um, and I would imagine that they're probably going to be, it's probably going to be an extremely diverse affair with lots of companies uh, doing fine and many really, uh, you know, really puking. But remember, I mean, some of the companies that are puke, that, that end up puking their numbers, their stocks may already have been beaten up 70 or 80%. They may rally on the results. Some companies that post very solid results and guidance haven't been beaten up and their stocks tank. Who knows? Like, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be a, a very diverse affair here. Uh, there should be a lot of great opportunities to make money. Um, but the bottom line is, is that growth should, if the Fed, again, if you believe that the Fed is going to get serious, growth is going to become a concern for the next two or three quarters. Um, growth expectations, both for the GDP and for corporate earnings, are far too high moving into the second half of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Equity risk premiums are much, much, much too low. They're much too low. And that's another point that Mike Wilson makes in his piece today. On the flip side, you have Marco Kalanovic, who just has gotten his clients blown out of the water the last three months, but finally is feeling a little bit better about himself now that we've had a bounce. Now he's, he's call, out calling for new all-time highs, saying that, well, usually the market hits new all-time highs after the first rate hike, as if this first rate hike is just like all the others. All the other variables are exactly the same. And yes, I'm sorry, I'm getting saucy today. This guy drives me nuts, okay? He's, uh, I'm not going to mention any other names, okay? But he drives me insane. He is a total shill for the long onlys, all right? He tells them what they want to hear all the time. 
and and that's the end of it. I don't believe that Marco Kalanovic can be taken seriously anymore after what's gone on here. That being said, I will relate to you what he has been saying and what he has been saying is nothing new. He's got the same message he's had for the last three or four months. Um, but now he's adding the twist that, well, yeah, we think we're going to hit all-time highs because that's what typically happens after the first rate hike. And, and yes, he's right that traditionally you're supposed to buy the first hike. Stocks do well after the first hike and then you sell the second or third hike. I can't remember exactly what. But there's so much going on this time around that's very, very different. Uh, I think he's he, just an overly simplistic view of the whole situation is how I would characterize what he's saying. Anyway, I'm going to I'm already up to almost 20 minutes here. I'm going to leave it at that. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.